the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And now I want to talk about we need to gear up. And I put this word in here because I think Scripture implies that. But I think it's for you military people because for you those that are in military, this is a great term. I, I, I've not been in military. I can only imagine what they might say to you when you're kind of a little bit more casual and you're ready to go to the next level. I don't know if they shout out, okay, gear up. I don't know about that. But I do know that maybe when you're going out skin diving and you're going to the water scuba diving, they're finally doing everything and they're going to say, okay, gear up. In other words, put on what you need to do so that you can be safe when you're going to go do it. I can imagine other athletes will do that. Gear up when you do that. I know that when Carol has me in the kitchen, she says, put an apron on so I don't splash grease all over my clothes. So it's her little way to say, Stan, gear up. Put on something that's going to protect you. And so this is different than dress up. This is gear up. And I wanted you to hear the term gear up because I want you to realize that we are all in a spiritual war. So it's more than just dressing right. It means gearing right so we can be protective, so we can do effective warfare in it. So let's look at the verse in verse 12. And it says, The night is almost gone, meaning we're almost out of time, and the day is near. Not so much talking about light and darkness physically, but more spiritually, meaning the day is almost near, that the Lord is here. Therefore, it says, lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And so there's a lot to say about that. The armor of light, of course, we know would be the word of God is a light in our path. So I'm assuming that it's going to refer to the principles that are found in God's word. Christ is our light, so we're going to put on Christ. I'll talk about that in just a few moments. But right now, I think it's the whole armor of God issue that we put on that armor as we go out. Now, some of you that are so new to this, this armor thing is like, what do you mean the armor of God? What would be the armor of God? Hold your place here and go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, let me encourage you to do something. Those of you that want to get a little bit more out of today's message on your own, I would like you to read Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, and then read Romans 13, 8 through 13, or 8 through 14 that we're studying today. And I want you to find out how many verses can actually be parallel verses to those two passages. Again, that's Romans 13, 8 through 14, and then you'll read um, Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6, and see how many parallels you can find between those two passages of Scripture. And remember, it's all said in the area of the best of your life for the rest of your life. All right? Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind, uh, might. Verse 10, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God, the armor of light, so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So in other words, there's a lot of trickery of the devil and he's going to work through people. He's going to work through uh, philosophical world systems. All right, so the schemes of the devil. is going to come whatever will drag our mind away from 
glorifying Christ, living for him and thinking of him. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So we see all those people, even those that teach a postmodern thought pattern, they're not our enemy. It's Satan and the world system is. So we love them. That goes back to the other principle. Love those that are different than us. We struggle against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So it would be all of Satan and his dominions and his philosophy and everything that would change our thinking from glorifying Christ or knowing him as our personal Savior. Verse 13, Therefore take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day, implying that you can have the armor but not take it up. If you take it up, then you will be able to resist him in the evil day. If you don't take it up, I promise you, you will succumb to the evil in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Standing firm, therefore, he then goes through the armor. Gird your loins with truth, breastplate of righteousness. So I'm just going to go through the issues. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace. And then it talks about the shield of faith. Put all that around you, verse 17, and take up the, salva- the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit with this view. Be, in, be alert with all boldness. Now, if you will, look up here for just a moment. I'm going to try to take all of this and oversimplify it, so be prepared for oversimplification. If I was to suggest to you where would you begin, what part of the armor would I encourage you to take on? By faith, I would say... Take on the Word of God. I would encourage all of you to make a commitment to getting into God's Word. Not five hours a day, not 50 minutes a day, but no less than five minutes a day. And those are my numbers. So you play with whatever numbers that you need to have. But take it a bite size so that you can get into God's Word. And don't read it as if you're going to kind of go through it as a legalistic little chart you're going to check off by the end of the day. I don't want you to read it for information. I don't want you to read it for inspiration. I want you to read it for transformation. Let God's Word really impact you. Those of you that got money for Christmas and you don't have your own Bible, I would encourage you to get yourself a good, leather, long-lasting Bible that has wide enough margins for you to write notes on. I encourage you to get a literal translation. I would suggest a New American. I'm not saying that's the only version. It's the one we use here. I would encourage you to get that. Now, those of you that have electronics at your fingertips, whether it's a, a tablet or a phone, I would encourage you to take some of your money and buy yourself a good Bible app. Now, when I say that, I know some of you are going to kind of jam at me when you say, oh, no, you've got to go back to the Word, the feel of the pages. I get all of that, and I have the Word, and I like it, and I prefer you to bring that so you can mark it quickly and flip back and forth and all that, etc. On the other hand, I don't take my Bible when I'm waiting for Carol over at the grocery store. If I'm waiting for Carol and I have my Bible there, I always have my phone there, don't you? Amen? So in that, I can flip open. Instead of running to Facebook to hear everybody else's life, I want to read about God's life, and so I'm going to flip into one of my Bible apps, and I'll continue reading that, and I bookmark market so I can continue reading it. And so that's how I do it. Don't be Stan Pons, but be you, but be you in the Word. Whatever works for you, get into the Word. That's putting on that part of the armor. The second part of the armor, and I'll end with this on this point, is prayer. In it, it talks about prayer. So while you're doing all of this stuff and you're listening to God through the Word, I want you to talk to Him in prayer so that you have this holy communion of a conversation, God to you, you to God, going on at the same time. And by doing that, you are gearing up. When you've got that stuff going for you, then you've got that armor, you know what you're putting on, the Word is now making sure that you are truthful, that you're righteous, that you have full of faith, 
all these things. So get into God's word. I encourage you to do that. It is fun to do this. On the other hand, sometimes there's dry spells. So my phrase is this. You do it when you feel like it. You do it when you don't feel like it. You do it until you do feel like it. Gear up. So we talked about pay up, build up, wake up, gear up. Number five is to clean up. Look, if you will, at verse 13, clean up. Verse 13 says this, Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity, sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, which is implying the deeds of darkness. Okay, and the deeds of darkness doesn't always mean this is what's done at night. Whenever you live during the day, you're pretty good. Yeah, more deeds of darkness are done at night. I get all of that, but it's that dark world of Satan and sin it's referring to. Now, what's interesting about this little verse, if you're looking at it, you're going to see uh, two sins uh, in couplets of three. The first one is going to deal with the carousing and drunkenness. So that's why I call it a life of self-control if you're going to clean your life up. You're going to have self-control in your life. Now, what areas of self-control will you have? The area of carousing and drunkenness. Now, carousing is a very interesting word. It's a word in the Greek that was used when a military battle occurred, a major battle, a major campaign was done in the theater and they would have huge victory. The soldiers would all have a huge party that generally involved drinking. It usually involved women and sex. Sometimes a great athletic event. Something would go on. So we all celebrate and you celebrate with a lot of loud music, loud dancing, a lot of liquor and women and all that stuff going on at the same time. Now, we would look at it in the Old Testament. Those are primarily the two days that they would do that. Now, when the Jews had it, they had festivals. And again, they didn't do that kind of stuff. But the warning was always there. Don't do what the world does when they did their carousing. Now, let me say for you and me. We don't go to battle, so we don't have that celebration. We might have a little bit of a Super Bowl party, but it's pretty clean. But isn't it not true that it seems like wherever we go, whether we live here in Hawaii or any other place, every community seems to have to have another event, another fair, another activity, another parade to have a party for. Do you all understand what I'm trying to say? So we've created more ways for us to do the carousing that drives us now into a world that's messed up socially and spiritually and all the rest. So think in terms of that and now think in terms of, all right, I don't want to just not do this. I want to concentrate on the positive. The positive is, in order for me not to carouse, in order for me not to live a world of, uh, of mind-altering elements, whether it's alcohol or dope or whatever, I want to work on my self-control. And my Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So I can have all the self-control necessary to live a righteous life, to say no to this and yes to that when I yield to the Spirit of God, when I trust Christ as my Savior. So if I'm going to clean up my act, I already can say, hey, guess what? I got the broom. Hey, hey, guess what? I got the detergent. It's right here. It's the Holy Spirit to do this, and I let him do it. The second would be it's a life of moral purity, not moral impurity, but cleaning up is a life of moral purity. Notice what else it says. It says here, Stay away from sexual promiscuity and sensuality. I'll say it very simply. I think America has lost their ability to blush. And it's everywhere we go. And I don't think I need to say a lot about that. All I can say is that if you are in any kind of a moral impure situation, I, get, I only have two words for you. And pretend right now I'm hugging you and I'm whispering in your ears. Here's my two words if you're involved in that right now. Stop it. Stop it. Say it with me. Stop it. Now, you can stop it. 
The Holy Spirit is right there. Your reason to do it is right there. You might say, what's that going to do with my relationship? First, it'll probably make it better. It'll be painful to start with, like ripping a Band-Aid off, because you're going to stop it. But on the other hand, it's less painful than trying to peel it off little by little. We won't do it as much this week than we did last week. We'll do a little less than that week. No, just... And let it heal. Let God in his grace and mercy heal that. The third is, it's a life of harmony and love. It's a life of harmony and love. Notice the last part of the verse, it says, not in strife and jealousy. And I've said so much about that. But I think the only point that I... I thought of when I went through this. Carousing and drunkenness, sexual promiscuity and sensuality, we all here as Christians would say, those are the bad sins. Those are the sins of the other people. Those are the disrespectable sins. But in strife and jealousy, we kind of call those respectable sins. You know, those are bad, but not as bad as the others. So we kind of allowed this to happen. So let me be real blunt to you. Is there anyone in your life right now that you have strife with? That doesn't mean they have to agree with you, but are are you letting that strife go on without a spirit of love and forgiveness and mercy and grace? How about jealousy? Are you jealous of someone else's power, position, possessions? You, You wish what they had, you had? There's a covetous thing going on? Something that belongs to them you want? I think if that's the case, we want a life of harmony and love for other people. And that's how we clean up. So, pay up. Build up, wake up, gear up, clean up. And the last is, when we're all done with that, what do we do? Kind of dress up, all right? That's the last one. Now, what do we dress with? It's not whether you have an aloha shirt or the right length skirts. But verse 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought that was so cool. It says, put on the armor. Then it says, put on Christ. So I think it's almost all of that is Christ-likeness, and therefore that is the righteousness you're putting on. You're putting on Christ. And then it says, no, make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. In other words, when you put on Christ, don't go play in the mud, is basically what it's saying. So put on Christ. Oh, when I put on Christ, how do I put on Christ? Well, I think the first way it begins is by letting God's mind on paper, God's mind on paper, come into my mind, so I'm going to let the word of God dwell in me richly. And so I'm putting on Christ, beginning by putting into me Christ's word. We call this the written word of the living word, Christ. When I do that, I'm I'm putting on Christ. Now when I do that, we put on Christ, but then we keep putting on Christ. When you go to your cars, you drive to the restaurants this afternoon, you've got to have Christ on, because you know what you're going to face out there. When you go to a meeting next week, you've got to have Christ on. So you dress up, you put them on. I'll end with this story and then we'll close in prayer and go home. Most of you have heard of that old theologian by the name of St. Augustine. What I didn't know until I read just a couple weeks ago in preparation for this message, how, how he became a more committed Christian, we might say. He lived a life of so much of his own carousing that if there was a national inquirer, he would be in it. And one day as he was reflecting on how his life was filled with duplicity, a little bit of goodness and a whole lot of badness. I mean, he would be the playboy of his day, so to speak. That's why he wrote the Confessions of St. Augustine. If you read that, that's what you would see. He was out in the garden one day, and while he was out there, he was contemplating on this whole life and realizing, this is I'm, I'm empty. There's, this is, it's not coming together, but it was like a hopelessness. So what do I do? This is it. What, what? And... 
it said that he heard a voice of a little girl. Now, I don't know if the little girl was there or how it all happened, but what she heard or what he heard from her was a little phrase. Maybe it could have been a bird and the word sounded like that. I don't really know, but God used whatever was out there. And here's what it said. Read it. Pick it up. Read it. Pick it up. Read it. Pick it up. Read it. So he was able to get a copy of God's word. And the most interesting thing of all is that in it, he opens this up. And remember, God is divinely sovereign. And we know St. Augustine, as he would be called later on, not that he's any more of a saint than you and me. But this theologian then picked it up. And the Spirit of God led him to this portion of Scripture. And he said, it's this portion of Scripture and his choice to make the decision to live this portion of Scripture that changed his entire life forever. Because when he opened this up, he was able to think more clearly. His friends changed. His power and authority against Satan became more evident. And then the rest of Scripture just seemed to come alive to him as a believer. And so again, he's never the same. So for those of you that are on the other side of this, I'd say pick it up and read it. And for you, maybe it wouldn't be Romans 13 that we covered today. For you, the first that you need to pick up and read is John 3.16. For God so loved you that he gave his only son that if you believe in him, not behave, not believe and behave, but just believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have everlasting life. Pick it up, read it. Find that believe is found over a hundred times in just one of the books alone, the Gospel of John. My friend, trust Christ as your Savior. That's your first decision. Your second one, I want Him to be the master of my life. Not to be saved, not to get saved, not to stay saved, but as a way to say, thank you, Lord, I want to live for you. And now take these six, pick out as many of those and make them real to you. Meditate in this passage. Use this last Sunday of this year to get you ready for the next Sunday, which is the first Sunday of the new year. What are the six again? Pay up. Build up. Wake up. Gear up. Clean up. And dress up according to God's word. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Folks, what I like about this is that we're going on this journey of those six together. I'm going to work on this too by yielding this to the Holy Spirit, by purposely making decisions in my mind to think right. I too want to pay up, make sure that financially my financial affairs are in order, that I do not plunge further into debt, that I pay my debts, especially the ones with the highest interest rates first. I want to do that, but I also want to be one who is gracious in my giving. So I want to be very generous. I want to give first here to our faith family because out of this, so to speak, lays the golden eggs of other ministries and opportunities, the goose that does that. I want to do that. I also want to build up. I want to love my wife more, my sons and daughter more, you more, and especially those another people, another kind of people that God will bring into my life to test me to see if I mean this so I want to build them up I also want to wake up sometimes I go through all of this and my day gets so busy I'm, I'm, I'm doing ministry I'm doing life as a pastor but I'm doing it because I'm pressured by a calendar or by a goal I have to set and accomplish and get done 
instead of doing it because we're living in the last days and Jesus could go back at any moment and he told me to wake up to him and to be alert to spiritual minded reasons and motivations and not just it's on my to-do list. It will be on my to-do list, but my motives now change. And then to gear up, I have to remember that you're in a spiritual battle and I need to watch you as my battle buddy. And you need to watch me as my as your battle buddy. And together we need to put on the armor of God through the word and faith and prayer. And then realizing that there's areas in our life that we need to clean up. Self-control over some of those debauched, carousing things that we do in life. You know what they are. You know when you do it. And you know with whom you do it. Stop it. I need to deal with those moral issues. Whether it's actual physical contact or whether it's internet contact. And you know what I mean by that. Whether it's in our mind and not just body touching body. Stop that. And maybe it's jealousy, strife. Hey, is that issue so big that you're going to let that come between you and the opportunity that you could have to touch that person for the kingdom of God and the glory of God? Let it go. And then dress up. Put on Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I warn you, by putting on Christ, the Lord is going to smile. That's not the warning part. But I'm warning you that when you do this, you will suffer persecution. But can I tell you this? What better company can we be in than to be persecuted like our own Savior was? For all that he went through is part of that journey for us to be able to have eternal life. So let's dress up with Christ and if people poke fun out of that, so be it. We'll just love them all the more. Maybe there's someone in here today that your choice is to place your faith alone in Christ and I pray that you will. All you need to do is to realize that Jesus died and he rose again and your own good works will never get you to heaven whether they're social or religious deeds and not just simply give it up. Say, Lord, I trust you as my Savior. Jesus says, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. God says if you sin afterwards, he'll discipline us, but he'll never kick us out of his forever family. Would you trust Christ as your Savior? Wouldn't it be great to know that the best decision you made was your last decision for this year, trusting Christ as Savior? And wouldn't it be great to know that you made this decision this year to trust Christ as Savior so you can enter next year as a blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus Christ because of what he has done on the cross for you. If you're trusting in Christ as your Savior today, I'd like to pray for you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, me praying for you, raising your hand, or any other deed you do will not get you into heaven. It's a fact you do after you trust Christ. Not to stay saved, but just because you want prayer. Would there be anyone in here that today you're ready to accept the payment Christ made for you on the cross and trust Christ as your Savior? You want the rest of your life to be the best of your life? I will promise you this. Without Christ, it will never happen. Would you trust Christ as your Savior right now? If you're doing that, I'd like you to slip up your hand, like I said, but no one's looking around. So right now, if you're trusting Christ as your Savior and you'd like for me to remember you in prayer, would you put up your hand right now and put it down? Don't have to say anything. I won't mention you in my prayer. I won't come to you. You won't have to do anything else. I just want to know if you're trusting Christ. Today was the day you called upon him to be your Savior. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone? Put it up. Put it down. Anyone at all? Thank you, my friend. Anyone else? All right, you may put your hand down. You that have raised your hand, if you'd like, you can certainly see me privately afterwards. I'd be glad to chat with you or... Pray with you personally, one-on-one. 
I offer that. The light's on, the door's unlocked. You come see me. For the rest of you, how many of you at the beginning of this session, you did pray in some measure, but you knew that the Spirit of God was speaking to you in some area, whether you agree or not agree with some of these points, there was one area that you are going to own. And by the power of the Spirit of God, you are going to make a choice. And by His grace, you'd like to have special prayer. I'd like to pray for you. Now, my prayer is no more special than yours privately, so whether you let me know by an uplifted hand or not, that's between you and the Lord. But who would want to begrudge those who would like for me to pray for them and let me know in such a fashion as this? So if you would like to have prayer, would you slip up your hand because today is a day you're getting ready for the rest of your life and you'd like me to partner with you in prayer. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone at all? Amen. Some of you can use that little card and let me know on that card that today you trusted Christ or you made a decision and you want me to know privately, you can put that in there. You can even do it anonymously if you'd like. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. And although it wasn't written because we're facing a new year, it wasn't written because we have a new life-changing event that's going to occur, it was written because every day of our life we need to renew our mind. And today we're using this new season as a catalytic agent for it but right now all of us are doing it because we want to and so Lord grant us now thy grace as we now do these things through your power so we can have the best of our life for the rest of our life in Jesus name Amen You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.